Who are they? How did they get here? And where are they now? I'm Tyson Chastain, Director of Alumni Relations with Johnson University, and this is the Sojournal Podcast. Have you heard about Johnson University's Vanguard Church Partners Program? Churches who seek a more dynamic relationship with the university are invited to join this partnership as we work together to foster a stronger connection between churches, the university, and the students who attend Johnson from VCP churches. Student scholarships and a variety of church benefits reinforce the partnership of Johnson University with each partner church. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash vanguard or call Brian Lakin, Director of Church Relations at 865-251-2141. Today we are joined for the fourth time in a row by Johnson University, Tennessee, Professor of Preaching, Dr. Daniel Overdorf, and at the time of this recording, it is now official and known to alumni and friends alike, President-elect Dr. Daniel Overdorf. So Daniel, welcome to the Sojournal Podcast. I'm sorry, uh, President-elect Overdorf, welcome to the Sojournal Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Dan- Daniel is uh, Daniel's still my name. Daniel's still fine. So. Thank you very much. I, I uh, look forward to continuing to have the conversation. As as we get started in this one, Daniel, uh, really before we get into the bulk of the of the lessons that we're going to share today, do you want to give any quick thought related to the life of your last week? Because you were announced <laughs> as president, uh, as president-elect right. on Monday, October uh, 16th. Mm-hmm. And so here we are, we're recording this one on the 23rd and means that that should drop on October 30th. So just to mm-hmm. give people an idea of our timing, we recorded week three's the one that dropped actually today. We recorded that before we knew you were going to be president. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm just curious, you know, sure. what's been, what's your life been like the last week? What's been some of the highlights for you? Oh, good. Well, uh, the, I mean, the, the biggest thing I would say is just how encouraging that, that people have been, uh, the, the number of, uh, phone calls and texts and emails and social media posts and, um, people have just been so, so gracious and so encouraging. And, uh, uh I mean, to the point that we've just, Carrie and I have not been able to respond to, to all the messages individually. Uh, we have some, but, um, but I've just had to kind of put out a blanket. Thank you. Uh, and, and thank you so much. I, we've, we've been encouraged. We've been humbled. We, we, we appreciate people's support more than we can ever say or, or explain. Uh, and, and I continue to appreciate people's prayers. Uh, when people have asked me what, what to pray for and what to pray about, my, my answer has been, please, please pray for wisdom. Uh, pray that God would uh, give us the the ability to navigate this transition and and uh, navigate the new leadership role with uh, with his guidance and and with his wisdom. Mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been an eventful week for sure, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but 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 very good. We so appreciate how how encouraging everyone has been. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, I know when when they announced you as president, there were several of us. Uh, you know, here within the university that I'm in connection with, that we're like, all right, we're really excited. So, <laughs> Thank uh, yeah, you. We're, we're looking forward Thank to you. serving under your leadership, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, so uh, let's get to the bulk of what we're about here in this podcast, and that is we are in our fourth part of a four-part series on Dr. Oberdorf's book, One Year to Better Preaching, 52 Exercises to Hone Your Skills. So left unsharpened, tools grow dull, and so do preachers. 
Like a lumberjack who heaves a blunt blade against a stubborn oak, preachers across the world heave murky, anemic sermons across the rims of their pulpits toward listeners who are about as eager as the stubborn tree. When tools lose their edge, progress stalls, effectiveness wanes, and frustration escalates. If only the lumberjack and the preachers would periodically pause from the strain to sharpen their tools. One Year to Better Preaching provides preachers with 52 exercises that will sharpen their homiletical skills, and each chapter includes instructions for an exercise, tools and suggestions needed for the exercise, comments from preachers who completed it, and recommended resources for further study. This exercise addresses eight categories of homiletics, and we're going to be discussing uh, a few of these, actually, in the four lessons and then the bonus lesson that makes up our topic today. So, uh, Dr. Overdorf, to get started with this, the first one that we want to talk about today is one that you've entitled, Go to Work with a Church Member. So tell me a little bit about how that came about. What made this one of those 52 exercises that you thought was important? Sure. Uh, yeah, this the idea for this actually came from uh, my predecessor in the preaching department here at, at Johnson, uh, Dr. David Inyard, who who was my preaching professor and who I taught alongside of for a few years before he retired. But uh, but back when he was working on his doctorate, part of his doctoral project uh, in, involved doing this. Uh, he 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 literally went to work with a few a few of the people from his church, and uh, he he. You know, he said he rode shotgun and with with a truck driver. Or he spent a few days in in various factories and and uh, shadowed somebody who worked in a school cafeteria. Uh, you know, just to try to get a sense of and the basic idea here is get a sense of how people live their life Monday to Friday. Uh, as as preachers, we see people on on Sunday, and we we could have the perspective that that's just what their whole life <laughs> what their whole life looks like, mm. um, without realizing all that they face on Monday to Friday. Uh, the stresses of work with bosses or coworkers, maybe who don't share their values, who maybe make life difficult for them. Even the opportunities, the 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 good things that that maybe they encounter during the week. And so, yeah, so so going going to church with somebody, I mean, going to work rather with uh, somebody, I think can be helpful helpful in our preaching. So how how do you relate that? I mean, what would you do different in your preaching? Related to what you, yeah, um, like one example would be in our applications. Uh, our, our our temptation as preachers because we see people on Sunday and our life revolves around what happens in the church. All of our applications may relate to that. You know, mm. tell people to no, they need need to be more faithful. Well, how do you apply that? Well, we need more volunteers on the nursery. We need people <laughs> to be greeters on Sunday morning. We this this and and all of our applications relate to what happens on Sunday. Um, but if we open our eyes to what our listeners' lives look like Monday to Friday, that helps us then connect to, okay, when you're dealing with that boss who's unfair, uh, when you've got a coworker who's playing political games uh, in the office, uh, when you've got a, a uh, you know, difficult decision to make about your career, it, it forces us as preachers to think, think beyond Sunday and uh, think, how, how can this text and how can this sermon make a difference? Uh, where they live Monday to Friday. Something that you said there sort of struck a chord with me that I think also as preachers, we might have the tendency to expect that everybody in our audience maybe knows the text as well as we do, or, mm. you know, everybody reads their Bible every day or has devotions every day, you know, they, right. um, but recognizing that everybody's at a different part on that journey. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, uh, and I think we, we account for that in, in our sermons, I think, 
And uh, sometimes it's through, you know, sometimes not just throwing out terms or even names, just throwing them out there, assuming everybody understands who Noah's three sons were, <laughs> or, um, <laughs> uh, you know, the, you know, the Abraham, Isaac in the region of the mountains of Moriah story, or, you know, sometimes we don't just throw those things out there. We, you just give a sentence or two of explanation, mm -hmm. uh, recognizing that not everybody has the same level of knowledge that they bring to the preaching event. Mm -hmm. One question that did come up to me regarding this one in particular was, I don't know, I guess I'd be afraid that the church member that you're shadowing would put their best part forward, you know, that, mm. that they might be a little bit different because you're there as opposed to who they would be nine to five otherwise. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's probably, uh, th th there's, there's probably some truth to that. And uh, I think you could try to curtail that some just by, you know, conversation ahead of time of saying, you know, don't, uh, don't feel like you have to be anybody different or, uh, and, and also I, I think, you know, I don't know that we go and shadow them for an entire day. Uh, you know, go go spend an hour or two with them and, and let them just walk you around where they work and introduce you to people and, and uh, you know, show you circumstances and, and talk through circumstances that they face. And then, uh, you know, and then maybe go to lunch afterwards and ask, ask a lot of questions. You know, what, what is life like for you? Mm. Uh, nine to five, Monday to Friday. Uh, what, what are the biggest struggles that you have? What are the in what in what ways is your faith stretched the most? Uh, or maybe. Um, you know, what, 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 what opportunities are there for you to, to grow your faith in your workplace or to share your faith in your workplace? So, uh, so yeah, and, and, you know, I think an ideal situation, go spend an hour or two, let them show you where they work and then, uh, and then have a conversation where you just kind of dig in. Hmm. I, I could imagine you still get value of it, even if the person was being somebody different because you're there, you'd still get value out of just observing the context of where they work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just being able to see it, visualize it, mm -hmm. um, meet their coworkers. You know, somebody works on a construction site, just just the you know seeing what equipment they use and seeing that even the dangers maybe that they face every day, mm -hmm. or if they're in an office environment. Maybe they work in a eight by eight cubicle um, for forty mm -hmm. hours a week, and just seeing that and visualizing that, uh, I, I think it can it can, it can help us connect our sermons to their life circumstances more effectively. I think one of those lessons that I learned, if I remember right, was uh, David in your talking about somebody that he went to observe who had a coworker that was very antagonistic toward faith. Mm -hmm. that, that was, that yeah. Was yeah. Yeah. I, so, I do recall that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what, uh, give me maybe one of the stories of where you've done something and what stood out to you. Yeah. And, and of course it's been, um, it's been a few years since I was in, <laughs> yeah. in local church ministry. So, um, <laughs> But 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 yeah, I remember visiting, uh, meeting somebody who who worked in an office environment, and I, I mean the first one one thing I remember about it is just how proud they were, mm -hmm. like they were like oh yeah you know they were, and this was somebody who was a friend, uh -huh. uh, and somebody who was a faithful part of the church, and yeah he was just you know kind of proud to walk me around and proud to show <laughs> me where he worked and who he worked with, and, and which even just that in itself uh, is a good thing. I you know we we. I think should take pride in, in our work. And uh, I mean, not pride in an arrogant way, but pride in a, uh -huh. in a um, you know, just way that shows that we're grateful and, and appreciative and, and uh, engaging in it. So, so yeah, I, I do, I do recall that kind of situation. <laughs> well, I could stay on this one forever just because there's a, 
there's a lot of lessons that we can take from it, not just from the preaching perspective, but like from, well, for example, you're entering into the presidency of the university. You know, it's like I could see mm-hmm. value in in you actually being involved in the different, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to call them departments or whatever of the school, sure. you know, yeah, ones yeah. that are outside of academics because academics is where you've been for so long. Sure, yeah. Like I could yeah. see value in that too, just kind mm-hmm. of learning what what your people are doing. and experiencing. Yeah, Absolutely. Anyway, um, we'll move on from that, but that's a great one. Go to work with a church member or, you know, go to work with a colleague or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Okay, so second one, employ purposeful humor. So what, what's the difference between purposeful humor and just humor to get somebody to laugh? Mm, yeah, good question. Uh, the, the difference of purposeful humor means you're, you're advancing the purposes of the sermon. And I'm not just telling a joke just for the sake of telling a joke, but it's uh, that, that in some way this... This uh, the humor that's used is you know, also helping get the ball down the field, uh, mm-hmm. helping further what the sermon is trying to accomplish. I, I I like the use of humor in sermons, which is well, it's that's why this exercise is, is in the book. But I, I don't care as much for you know taking three minutes out of a twenty five minute sermon just to tell a joke that doesn't really help apply truth or illustrate truth of uh, scripture. So so that, that's that's why I have the word purposeful in there. That this is. Yeah, it's using humor to advance the purposes of the sermon. So it's yeah. much along the lines of like illustrations. You know, you use an illustration mm-hmm. not just to tell somebody a story, but to move the purpose of the sermon. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So give me uh, give me an example that you've used a purposeful humor. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't put it on that one. <laughs> no, that's that's all right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a, give you give you a little example. There's um you know, as a church that was really struggling financially, the fact is, is at the point where they're about to have to close the doors of, of the church. And so the preacher gets up on Sunday and says, uh, yeah, we, we need a good offering today. And to encourage that, uh, whoever gives the most today, you know, we'll let you pick out three hymns, contribute to the worship service. And so they take up the offering and lo and behold, there's this wad of cash. It's, it's like, it's like $10,000 with a rubber band wrapped around it on the offering plate. And the preacher's ecstatic. He's like, yeah, this is incredible. And, you know, whoever gave this, we, we want to thank you. And, and like we promised, we'll, we'll let you pick out three hymns. And, uh, and, of course, you know, it's a little awkward. Nobody wants to acknowledge it. But finally, in the back, this little elderly lady raises her hand and, and oh, ma'am, thank you so much. And, and please come up. And she walks up. Everybody's applauding for her. And the preacher puts his arm around her and says, you know, thank you so much. You, you've We can keep our doors open now. You've saved our church. And. And uh, like like a promise, you can pick out three hymns. And she looks she looks around the audience and then lifts her finger and points at some people in the church and says, "I'll I'll take him and him and him." Or <laughs> 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 three or three three hymns. Thank thank you for laughing at that. <laughs> um, oh, I did but, not but see then, that coming. Then, okay. Yeah, but then kind of coming out of that, saying. Uh, you know, there there are problems in churches when when terms are misunderstood. And that may be true in the area of worship and music more so than any other area of the church. Uh, is it hymns or is it contemporary music that, that's been written later? Or, or is it pianos and organs or is it acapella or is it guitars and drums? And, and uh, one of the difficulty around a lot of this controversy is we don't we, we don't understand our terms. You know, what 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 is worship? What is God's desire for worship? What does He, what does He seek out of our Sunday morning gatherings? And 
so so you know it's it's a it's a, it's a silly preacher joke um but then gets you into your topic it, it gets you into to what you're trying to accomplish in the sermon so hopefully some humor but hopefully humor that's that has a purpose behind it <laughs> well that was great i appreciate <laughs> that good job you you flexed on that very well. That was, that was good job. So, so employ purposeful humor, and that makes a lot of sense. I really do appreciate that. That was, you know, that was good humor. But I like the purpose, the connection, <laughs> terms. And boy, you're right. We we throw out a lot of terms in Christianity that are just unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, especially for somebody who's not raised in the church or hasn't spent a lot of time. You know, kind sure. Of, yeah. How do you explain justification? So, mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. A little bit more to it. Good. All right. Uh, So we are talking with Dr. Daniel Oberdorf, President-elect Daniel Oberdorf, about his book, One Year to Better Preaching, These 52 Exercises to Hone Your Skills. So far, we've talked about going to work with a church member and employing purposeful humor. But now uh, we still have a couple more. Uh, Preach in dialogue. So tell me about that. What do you mean by preach in dialogue? Well, um, you know, preaching typically is just monologue. It's just one person talking and everybody else sitting there and, and listening. And, uh, and, and there are, and there are ways, and this is what I'm trying to challenge preachers to think about. Are, are there ways to, uh, bring some actual dialogue, um, some talking back and forth, uh, into, into the preaching event and, uh, needs, needs to be done carefully, uh, of course, and, and to be planned carefully. But, uh, but, but there are ways to do it that I think can make, um, again, can help us get the truth of God across maybe in, in, in effective ways. So yeah, and, and, there, and there's different ways you can do this. You know, I've I've, I've seen preachers, and I've I've done where, you know, you bring somebody on stage and interview them, uh, and that it may be the entire sermon, it may be five minutes out of the sermon, but uh, somebody who who brings some insight to whatever truth topic that that you're talking about, and you know, inter- interview them for five minutes, ask them some questions where you can have some uh, have some give and take, um, or I've seen and I've and I've done this um, not not a ton of times, but probably three or four times. Where where the whole sermon is a dialogue between preachers, between two people that are on stage. You know, one person talks for a little bit, and then the other person says, you know, and that reminds me of, and then they talk a little bit, and, and then maybe they ask a question of the other preacher. Um, you know, how would you see this playing out in in life? And so then maybe they give a paragraph of application, and and the whole sermon is just kind of constructed as a conversation uh, between two people. So uh, so I've seen that work. Um, I've done. Um, you know, have a, 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 a one time I had a actually a panel on stage where I had had four people just sitting up there at a table. And I, I basically preached or, or taught for, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes uh, and then and then turned it into panel discussion and, and let the people who were on the panel uh, ask questions or make comments. The second half of the sermon, basically, the sermon time was, um, you know, like dialogue with with the panel. Um so, so yeah, there, there's various ways to do that. Uh, you know, I've seen others kind of use technology to, to do this, where they say, um, you know, during the sermon, they'll, they'll put a phone number up on the screen and say, text in your questions or text in your comments. And then, um, you know, you have somebody gathering those those texts. And then maybe later in the sermon, the preacher gets back or later in the service. Uh, the preacher gets back up and says, yeah, here, here are the three most asked questions. And let, let's talk about these three things. So, but the basic idea here is just bringing in some interaction, bringing in some dialogue where it's, uh, it's not just, I talk, you listen, but huh. there's um, a little more interactive element to it. Well, let, let me tell you one that, uh, that I experienced and then actually tried yeah. to emulate once that was interesting was, um, 
at the beginning of, of a worship service, the minister gets up, talks about, you know, whatever the announcements, but then asks for the crowd to bring up four or five objects. So one object mm. from four or five people in the crowd. Yeah. And then between the announcement time and the sermon time, the, the minister's evaluating these five objects and trying to connect them to scripture and draw lessons uh, from them so that people would yeah. be the point of the sermon was so that people would learn to recognize the divine and everyday things hmm. um, yeah yeah and interesting so saw that done i thought it was great it was great interaction i did it once it was terrifying but it was great interaction yeah and yeah so i i get what you're saying there about you know preaching mm -hmm. dialogue it's more than just listen to me <laughs> right right yeah 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 and so, there, yeah, I think there are ways that can, uh, again, I mean, all, all, what we're talking about here is just how do we best connect the truth of God to the lives of our people? And, uh, yeah, this is one tool that can help help us do that, make better connections. Now, when you do these interview things or panel discussions, how tightly do you, how much leeway do you give people? I mean, do you do you bring them up blind, ask them blind questions like I'm throwing things out at you <laughs> or uh, no, do no, they really no. know what to expect yeah. and have a ready answer? Yeah, I, I think um, I think there needs to be some some preparation ahead of time. And uh, now like the situation I described where you have two preachers that the sermon is kind of going back and forth, you know, they, they write it all together, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the two preachers put their heads together and and uh, map it all out. Uh, you know, situation where you bring somebody up to interview them. Yeah, you you, uh, you let them know ahead of time the questions they're going to ask. And, and, and you know, hopefully you're asking somebody that you you trust. You trust their theology, their their ability to speak in front of people. Mm -hmm. You practice. You know, I, I would even say practice. You want, you want some safeguards there. But, uh, but, but, yeah, I think it can be a good, a good step. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's mm -hmm. interesting. So, so far we've discussed uh, going to work with a church member, employing purposeful humor, and now preaching in dialogue. But the fourth exercise that we're going to talk about today that's part of those 52 exercises from Dr. Overdorf's book, One Year to Better Preaching, is right for the ear. What do you what do you mean by that? <laughs> um, it's it would be in contrast to writing for the eye, meaning that uh, am I writing this for someone to read or am I writing this for someone to hear? Hmm. And so if I'm writing an article, you know, I'm writing a book chapter. I know that people are going to read this, that they're, they're going to have it in front of them on paper or on a screen and they're going to read it. But if I'm writing it for the ear, I know that people are never going to see it on paper, that they're going to hear these words spoken. It's, an, it's for an oral event, uh, not for them sitting on their in their recliner and, and reading an article or a book. And uh, so if I'm preparing for the oral event, um, the words need to be and the sentences all of the flow, all of it need to be constructed a little differently. And uh, this this is especially hard for people who are who are writers, uh, people who who write well and do write books or articles or poetry or if they're accustomed to writing things for people to read, it can be kind of a difficult transition to write things that people are going to hear. And, and you say, well, what what are you know what what are the differences? <laughs> um, when you're writing for the ear, typically you're going to use shorter sentences. You're going to be more direct. Hmm. Um, you're going to be more repetitive. Uh, if people are reading in a book and they they um, want to refresh themselves, they can just go back and reread a paragraph. They can go back and relook at the the headings in, in the article. But when it's an oral event, they can't do that. And so it's actually helpful if the preacher is a little more repetitive. Uh, now let, let me remind you of what we've talked about so far. 
um, where I may not do that in an article, but I need to do that in in the oral event. Or in if I if I'm writing it for somebody to read, you know, sometimes it's long flowing sentences, um, maybe several adjectives, adverbs thrown in there, dependent clauses. You know, maybe I'm a good enough writer that I know how to use semicolons. <laughs> and and uh, but um, Big but words. those long, yeah, but those uh, you know those long flowing intricate sentences get lost on the ear. Mm-hmm. When I'm writing for the ear, I'm, I'm more direct. Use shorter sentences. Yeah, so that that's that's the kind of thing that I'm that I'm talking about when I say write for the ear. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I was sort of thinking about this from the perspective of scripture. So much of the stories that we have that are written in scripture, I mean, are right. I mean, it's it was an oral right. Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. give me a little bit of insight in that as far as navigating the oral yet written <laughs> scriptural yeah. tradition yeah. with uh-huh. what we do in preaching. Sure. Yeah. And it, uh, I remember one of my um, the professor I had actually just from one class in grad school, Mark Scott, who some of our, these listeners may be familiar with. He, he taught at Ozark Christian College for a long, long time and, mm-hmm. and uh, really just a, just a fine man and fine preacher. But, uh, but I remember him talking about that exact thing. He, he said, for most of scripture, it was, uh, it was spoken to be written, to be spoken again. <laughs> and so th- these are things that were first, uh, that were first spoken. And so, you know, when we have the words of Jesus, uh, he, he first spoke them, not first wrote them. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he spoke them and then a gospel writer wrote them, but the gospel writer wrote them so it could be spoken again. Most people in New Testament churches would not have had the, either the access to written scripture, at least re- ready access or many of them didn't even have the ability to read. Uh, and so most scripture was passed along orally. Uh, someone would read aloud and, and others would listen. So, um, so, so yeah, so I think scripture uh, is a good example of that. And, and you can see a lot of the, a lot of the images, a lot of the repetition in, in the way that scripture was written because it was written to be, to be spoken. Mm. Good, good stuff. I like this. This is a, this has been interesting. Uh, so yeah. again, we're talking with Dr. Overdorf about his book, One Year to Better Preaching, 52 Exercises to Hone Your Skills. And we talked about this previously, but it's not just, you know, one year to better preaching. This could be one year to better speaking. A lot of us can learn from this uh, speaking and dialogue, maybe writing for the ear. Of course, we can learn from employing purposeful humor. I mean, even if you're not a preacher, you, you can employ these things and apply them. I think there's some great meat here. So, Dr. Overdorf, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Uh, so we've talked about those four exercises that are a part of the 52, but we've also included this time, as we have the previous three times, a bonus exercise. And that one you are calling Peruse the Newspaper. So why is that important? Well, it's uh, and this is kind of an old preaching maxim to uh, you know prepare with Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, mm. and, uh, and and the basic idea here is is just constantly being aware of the need to to build that bridge. We we study, we start in the ancient world, and we we dig in, we research, we understand all we can about that ancient world and, and the text that was written in that context. Uh, but then we want to take that. The truth of God that is that is there, and uh, and then build that bridge to to life today and circumstances today and and uh, struggles today and situations today. So so yeah, so I, I think um, just being being aware 
you know, whether it's a actual newspaper that you hold in your hand or, uh, you know, going to news reliable, I'll say, uh, reliable news websites and but, but, but being aware of the circumstances that that are going on in our world uh, so that we can help people navigate them with uh, with biblical truth and biblical worldview. Mm. I appreciate that. And I, I really appreciate that you started with the Bible. I mean, the Bible is the one that sets mm-hmm. the context first. And sure. then, you know, let's look at the local, but the mm-hmm. Bible is first. I appreciate the primacy of Scripture there. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I really appreciate that you pointed out reliable news sources. Now, that's become <laughs> that's become much more important yeah. in the years even after you've written this book. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. How do you balance that? I mean, you as the preacher, you go to reliable news sources. Mm-hmm. Um but these news sources might not be considered reliable to some of your congregational members. Mm. Some of them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and maybe some of the news sources you use may not be considered right. <laughs> right. reliable to uh, to others or whatever. So anyway, taking all that yeah. into yeah. into consideration, how do you balance that? Mm-hmm. And, and and I think, yeah. And this this could be this could be a whole podcast. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> but uh, you know, judging how, how how do we discern reliability some, some basic things there just because it's a just because it's a meme on social media doesn't necessarily mean it's true uh, <laughs> yeah, starting with starting with some very basic when when it's coming from a uh, you know an, an actual news source uh, even even recognizing that news sources lean different directions th- themselves mm-hmm. but when it's an actual source that um, recognized television network or recognized newspaper that's been around longer than in uh, the last week, mm-hmm. uh, we, we know there's at least some uh, checking of credibility uh, mm-hmm. with with them. But even all of that said, I, I don't know that we get into a lot of the the specifics and things that would be divisive anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just a recognition of the issues that are out there. Mm, good. Um, for you know, for example, while we're recording this, I don't know when everyone will listen to this, but while we're recording this, there's uh, you know, there's there's uh, a, a war going on. In, in the Middle East, and uh, and it's it's frightening, it's confusing, it's there's atrocities being committed, and and those three statements I made, uh, just about everybody on any side of the issue would agree with, mm-hmm. and uh, so maybe in the sermon I don't get into uh, all the the details, the perspectives on on the various sides, but I say, look, there's there's there there are people being killed, their families being torn apart, and as as a believer, this breaks my heart. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so just, just the recognition of, um, you know, the, the issues that are out there and the things that people are, uh, people are struggling with, uh, mm-hmm. not, not to say that we should never help them navigate those intricacies, but, 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 but just my, my, but the big, but the big point here is just being aware, uh, know, know what's on people's minds, know what conversations are being had around the water coolers, um, know what world issues and local issues are keeping people awake at night. I, I want to be aware of all of that as I come to the sermon and come to my text and think about how can we connect the truth of God to to where people are living. Excellent. Well, I know that I, at least I can speak for myself in saying that often I'm ignorant to the world situation. Now, obviously, I know there's a war going on in Israel right, and those right, kinds of things. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but I don't think I'm as engaged in world news as maybe I should be just to get a better perspective and understand where everybody else is and what has mm. their 
mm-hmm. attention, what's causing their fears and those kinds of things. So, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good lesson. It's something valuable to learn. Maybe I need to take a little bit more time perusing more than just the sports section <laughs> of the newspaper. <laughs> well, Daniel, this has been great. I really appreciate you giving me and us, those who listen to this podcast, uh, all of this time for this four-part series. This has been great. I really appreciate getting to know this book better and some of these exercises that you've offered. And I hope we get to do this again. I mean, sure. you know, maybe with one of your other books or... You know, maybe as president, when you're involved in it and feel like you want to address the address the nation, as it were, you know, yeah, well, that's right. uh, yeah. you, you can address our, our you know, 22 listener yeah. audience or whatever. Yeah. My, my, my fellow Johnsonians. <laughs> that's right. so, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I, I really appreciate you giving me your time and uh, yeah, you're sharing your wisdom fun. and insight. This has been great. I really appreciate yeah, it. it's been, been fun. I appreciate the opportunity. So this has been um, a summary, essentially, of Dr. Daniel Overdorf's book, One Year to Better Preaching, 52 Exercises to Hone Your Skills. And if you're interested in getting a copy of this book, remember that it's more than preaching. If you know somebody who's just involved in the speaking vocation, this could be very beneficial to them as well. But uh, you can learn more about this book uh, simply by going to Amazon. And if you type One Year to Better Preaching, this book will come up. So just look for Dr. Daniel Overdorf's One Year to Better Preaching, 52 Exercises to Hone Your Skills. And uh, you'll be able to learn a little bit more about some of these things that we've discussed today and in our previous three episodes. So today our focus was going to work with a church member, employing purposeful humor, preaching and dialogue, and writing for the ear with the bonus exercise of being sure to peruse the newspaper. So uh, I hope you uh, enjoyed that, gained some insight and wisdom from our series with Dr. Overdorf. And again, Dr. Overdorf, thank you so much for giving us your time and being a part of the Sojournal Podcast. And we are praying for you all the Lord's best as you and Dr. Smith navigate this transition as you take on the role of president of Johnson University. Thank you, Tyson. I uh, appreciate the chance to have the conversation we've had on the podcast and very much appreciate your um, prayers and encouragement about my transition. God bless you, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. The Sojourner podcast is a production of the alumni relations office at Johnson university edited by Kara Husky podcast graphics by Rachel Woolard. music by loyal love. Tune into other Sojourner podcasts dropping normally weekly on most of your favorite podcast channels. Thanks for listening. <music>